0: One of these will be eternal life and a home in heaven. And when we go, and when we go, and when we go, and, and... Eegah, Jones! Exist objective moral values. If God does not exist, soap no moral duties. If God exists, objective moral values. If God does not exist, soap no moral duties. Insect, rat, no objective values. Hyena, mosquitoes, soap no moral duties. Troop of baboons. Troop of baboons. Troop, 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 troop of baboons. Troop of baboons. Troop of baboons. Troop, 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 troop of baboons. Teeth, lion, teeth, lion. Troop of baboons. Bacteria, zebra. Troop of baboons. Corn, 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 corn. No objective values. No objective values. No objective values. Lady Gaga. Don't no moral duties. to make some sort of naive claim that contemporary cosmology proves the existence of troops of Lady Gagas. Plato wrote the following, Socrates is a freak of nature, and Abraham Lincoln is the Terminator orbiting a gigantic red Eskimo village. As the Russian writer Fyodor Dostoyevsky put it, you scratch my back, I'll scratch Richard Dawkins. Premise one. Everything that begins to exist has a beard. Two, the universe has a beard. Therefore, a beard has a beard. Richard Dawkins foresaw Godzilla exploit a barnyard of pigs. So what? He vigorously condemned such actions as religious indoctrination of the dinosaurs. On the atheistic view, who's to say whose values are right and who's a root beer? Root beer, root beer, root beer, root beer, root beer, root beer, root beer. All together now. Eat, yeah! Go, oh, go, oh, go! Oh. Eat gaffes! Whatever. Eat Album plantica. Yeah. Eat Great white Grape Eat gaffes! Forget about it radical. This is buffoonery.
1: Welcome fantastic.
2: to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter and the track you just experienced was brought to us from none other than Punch bowl haircut.
1: This was the first time I saw that man, and that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, so that punch was fantastic.
2: Bowl, you feel free to put whatever you want in the uh, in the in the chat, so that people can find that track and illegally download it from you using yes. sketchy third party software.
1: That was fantastic. I loved it.
2: <clears throat> okay, so uh, first of all, can you hear Jonathan Pritchett?
1: If you can hear me.
2: You should be able to hear Jonathan Pritchett. We're but we don't so. know
1: because we've had a malfunction today.
2: But here we are, and we are going to talk. Uh, just just let me know, and I'll keep an eye on to see if you can hear Jonathan and me both. And um, we're going to talk about Kevin Max and deconstruction. Because as many of you probably are aware, um, Kevin Max has recently said that he has deconstructed...
1: And reconstructing and... Progressing and regressing and progressing again and stuff like that.
2: Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at his statements as soon as I can find them. I have them. Jonathan, entertain people by telling them about the trip you just enjoyed. By the way, if you're new here, this is Friday night. We're a little more cash. Sorry about that. Cash? Pritchett, go ahead.
1: You you sound like my 15-year-old daughter.
2: You got to be relevant, man.
1: Okay, well... (laughs) Hardly relevant. Well, yeah, um, this past weekend, thank you uh, to Matt Mozakis and everyone at Mount Zion Church.
2: Mr. Phil Fox says nice
1: tea. Yes. B- before I talk about our weekend, I want to talk about this awesome t-shirt. Drops of Hope Ministries. Thank you so much for the shirts. I wore mine today. Braxton did not. But- Didn't know I had one. Yes, you did.
2: I didn't know that's the weird white t-shirt you just left folded up where I couldn't see the front of it in my car.
1: Are you calling this shirt weird? When it's
2: folded up and I can't see it.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, y'all go subscribe to Mr. Phil Fox's channel and uh, buy a t-shirt. This weekend, we were at a men's retreat Friday and Saturday in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and we had a fantastic time. Um, My diet got blown uh, out the window. Mine didn't somehow. Right. Yeah, you're not on one. Um, my nutrition plan, I'll say, got. I mean, that got that went out the window when we got there.
2: <clears throat> no, I ate healthy while I was. You going.
1: did actually eat healthy. I did not. I mean, it was a men's conf- or or men's retreat, and they were bringing out tubs of bacon for the buffet table. And I mean, how do you?
2: Okay. Let me recap yeah. this. This is hard for Pritchett. What happened was we had an awesome weekend. Pritchett yes. spoke the best I've ever heard him speak about anything to anyone. And it was on biblical manhood. Don't you want to see that lecture? You can't. It's nowhere been recorded, but I have encouraged Pritchett to record it again, just for Trinity radio. Cause I think you all, all need to. Um, Experienced that, and then uh, and then we, we had a great time. We spoke at the church. It was just yeah, a we blast.
1: preached uh, Saturday night and Sunday. Those are on video, by the way, at the at uh, Mount Zion Church. And we had people YouTube. come to Christ. Yes, we did. By but the way, before we go to, a yeah, step right, further, to
2: to you, Jason Miles,
1: once again, thank
2: you as always for your unbelievable generosity. Yeah. We love you so, so much. Thank you. And we would love you even if you didn't do this for us, but of course we, we would. definitely love you in light of it. <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. And uh, we got somebody else here, MJ, MJ Jackson. Jackson. Thank you so much. So... Yeah, we had people come to Christ. Uh, a good number of people come to Christ. Yeah. Um, great time there. Great time with the pastor, the church, all that.
1: We made sure that Matt played appropriately manipulative music during your altar call. Yeah. Because that's that's what they do, I think, um, supposedly. Um,
2: yep, yeah, and I want to tell a story. So there was one night where we were, Chris Date just texted me and said we're fuzzy. I'm trying to mess with it. But there was one night where we were all sitting around the uh, like a big bonfire. Bonfire. That's the word. Thank you. Why is nothing happening? Let's see. And we were talking about, okay, something's up. I don't know what's up. Maybe that's better. Um, We were talking about baptism. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned that they actually have T-shirts for the church. I was baptized at Lake Geneva or in Lake Geneva. Well, the town is called Lake Geneva, so it works if you're baptized anywhere in the city limits. But Lake Geneva itself is actually connected to the camp. So I said, hey, man, you're telling me if you get baptized, you can get a T-shirt that says baptized in Lake Geneva? So we had a good long discussion about getting baptized more than once. And for those of you that don't know, we've answered it on the show before, but we think that your baptism, you get saved and you get baptized and that's it. You know, you don't need to have multiple baptisms every time you rededicate No, your but line. if
1: there's a t-shirt on the line. But if there's a
2: t-shirt involved, so I thought to <laughs> or myself... Or if you're
1: in Israel.
2: I thought I've gone to Israel and been baptized in the Jordan River. Right. Uh, I've been baptized twice anyway because I wanted to make sure I had my baptism on the right side of my salvation. And uh, I got baptized as a pastor. So uh, there was a guy there that this kind of came out, Ramon, one, needed to get baptized legit. Like he had recently become a Christian and needed to get baptized. And so what he did was... You don't have any light. Yeah, what we not, did was, nothing's we, working today. I got baptized with Ramon in 36 degree temperature in Lake Geneva. And now I have a t-shirt that says baptized in Lake Geneva. But there was a good ministry that came out of it that I couldn't plan, but God planned.
1: Yeah, he got baptized. And congratulations to Ramon on that. Yes. That was awesome. And oh, by the way, 37 degree water temperature. 36, yes. Oh, it was 36.
2: LOL at you're baptism.
1: Like, you're like, I'm four foot 11 and a half person here. Yeah, thirty six degrees. So all right, my let's, daughter uh, is four foot 11 and a half.
2: I don't think people from our audience want to hear too much yeah. about K Max or
1: about how much you're sounding like my daughter.
2: Because K Max isn't bringing in the people. We need to
1: we need to bring up uh, Mr. Phil Fox again. Yeah, Mr. Phil Fox. Wow. Okay,
2: now thank you, Mr. Phil. Wow, thank you for that substantial super chat. Really, really appreciate that.
1: Super appreciate that. Okay.
2: So Kevin Max, as some may or may not know, was one of the trio of uh, musicians in the pop 90s. and Well, the 90s pop band uh, U2. 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 He's in U2. Everybody knows it's Toby Mac and Kevin Max and Michael Tate makes up you yeah. um, too. No, they make up DC Talk and... Uh, and that sounds for Boy, K-Max wishes though, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, that, that's, man.
1: That's Decent Christian Talk? Decent and, Christian what, Talk, yes. That's what yes. DC for. Okay. And
2: so uh, they broke up in the late 90s, but it wasn't... I don't think it was originally supposed to be a breakup because they released an album called Intermission. And an intermission, as we all know, is something that happens when you're between acts right or between halves or something and so uh but but the the intermission never ended unless you consider a dc talk themed cruise from a couple of years ago to be uh, the final act which almost nobody does so they all on that album intermission they all played tracks from their new solo projects and it was great and so um and then several years so Uh, Toby Mac went off and did Toby Mac. Michael Tate went off and did Michael Tate. Then he became the lead singer of the Newsboys. Kevin Max went off and did some solo projects. Then, a few years ago, became the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline. You don't get much more evangelical than Audio Adrenaline as a Christian contemporary music band.
1: And you do this song for the... Didn't one of them do the song for that um, movie... That had, uh, the newsboys the did Hercules God's not dead. It. Yeah. 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 That, yeah.
2: The newsboys. And in fact, on that song, I'm glad you brought that up because on the track that newsboys recorded for that, they included Kevin Max. Okay. So, see, um, I
1: did not see happy accidents there. I did not even, yeah. I was not aware of that. That was one of those Christian movies that they said, hey, everyone's watching this. Go, go watch the Christian movie. So
2: if you're so. the kind of person that says, uh, that, that wants to distance yourself from all things contemporary Christian music, Kevin Max, it should surprise no one, has tried to do that at various moments throughout his career. I've been following. However, and, and in that sense, none of this you're surprises me. I'm a fan. He's none got this... way
1: more talent than either one of us combined. Musically, yes. No doubt. And so, well,
2: so that... Yeah. What? In what other way does he have more talent than you?
1: Than me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He I mean, doesn't. He's
2: he he's talented musically. If he has other talents, we don't know about that. We're not speaking about that. You're an incredibly talented at everything else. Look, I did. Um, I
1: dabbled in the music. There's a there's a le, there, there's. A, I think you just feel like you gotta disagree with a me. There's a tier of, of talent that people have, and the ones that have it, but it takes more than talent. It takes talent and like super hard work to make it in the music. I don't care. Yeah, he's done all that. He's done the hard work. And, 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 and the people like me fall out of it, but the people like him rise to the, to the top of that, that. that
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: where he was. He was at, of course. Uh, yes, at at least the, with the DC talk now, as you told me his solo stuff,
2: he, I think he sells about 80,000 records every time he releases one. Okay. So, so, I mean, that's nothing to laugh at. More Um, than
1: me and about 80,000 other. Yeah local artists back in the day so
2: now but at this point so on the one hand it should surprise no one who's followed him that he's considered the bad boy the misfit the whatever of dc talk and he's yeah we get we we got you okay we got that really that's not a surprise he's he's the black sheep one. yeah that's how he wears it he's that so we're not surprised that that's happening on the other hand for those people who are trying to distance themselves from contemporary Christian music, people like, I have some people in my family, pretty much anyone who grew up with it now looks back on it and acts like Christian music is the worst thing ever and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, sorry, but Kevin Max was the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline way after all of that.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, hugged himself bugging.
2: pretty darn tight to evangelicalism. Yeah, we did. Uh, just, just saying, even if personally he was going through some deconstruction. So, but I have, for those of you who might think, which is, I don't know how many of you, maybe none, um, who thought, what are some good tracks I should check out? I have them listed, the ones that I would recommend you check out from K-Max. Some of them will, will you'll absolutely want to play, perhaps during your quiet time. Um, the one that I think of when I say that is uh, The Old Rugged Cross off of the album The Blood which featured the other singers from DC talk. And I think was clearly intended to gain acceptance among evangelicals. Um, I also love the return of the singer, the first single off his first album alone without DC talk. He does the best version of hallelujah that I think I've ever heard a band do, a group do, you know, that she'll tie you to the kitchen chair and cut off all your hair. You know, that song, um, he has a new album that came out just last year, uh, which is a remake of a Larry Norman album. Now, I hope I have got that wrong. What was right. it,
1: Leonard Cohen was the original Leonard, guy? Yeah, okay. I think. Yeah. And then, but somebody else did that song for, what, a Shrek movie or something? Everybody's or? done
2: it. Bono's done that song.
1: Yeah. it's, it's uh... He does the
2: best version that anyone's ever done of that song. He, he does the best version. If you disagree, you're just objectively wrong. That is a K-Max classic, in my opinion. Um, he does "Why Don't You Look Into Jesus" oh, from Larry Norman, which is like clear. very, very much what an evangel expresses evangelical thoughts. Um, take a bow. He covers Muses. Take a bow. If you're more of a um, rock fan from the 2000s, you might like that. Um, he covered "Pride in the Name of Love" by U2. It's great.
1: So, pride, take a bow, and oh, so, so you've listed off three songs that he. Just that are covers. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Kings and Queens is the title track of the audio adrenaline album he was on. And it was awesome. After he left, I know that some of you just don't even care, but after he left, uh, audio adrenaline, my take is, and I may have actually read him say this, he had written a bunch of tracks for audio adrenaline. And so he released an album with those tracks on them. That album is so evangelical contemporary Christian music. And guess what? I really like it because I'm not I, against all that stuff.
1: Yeah, Derek, I can't remember the guy's name who sang it, but I, I thought that was the one that, that was on Shrek Was I think that's the one I like the best. Okay, I'm talking to Derek, and the, he's chatting, and I'm not listening to you prattle off.
2: So yeah. Infinite is, a, is the title track or the, the lead single off of that very evangelical contemporary Christian album that he, I think, wrote for Audio Adrenaline. And then he has a song called Election, in which he repeatedly, I suspect, tells God that he hopes he's one of the elect. Interesting. And then track 10, I'll just throw in Existence is a good a good track. So those are some things that I recommend you check out from Kevin Max. If so there's like 11 songs. 10 or 11? I don't know how many I said.
1: 10 and then O'Roddy right Across at You. No, i
2: put that on there too. That should be there. So, um, yeah, so th- so there you go. But let's look at what's happened so he, now.
1: So his career has been To this point, whether he's been the evangelical bad boy persona, whatever, clearly in the evangelical lane, clearly catering to that market. Not
2: entirely. Every third album, let's say, will be obviously appealing to evangelical Christianity. And then the ones in between, he'll do his own thing.
1: But DC Talk...
2: DC Talk was totally evangelical.
1: Right, and yeah, and, and Audio Adrenaline, and then... Every yeah. third. And then he album.
2: was on a Newsboys album for God's Not Dead.
1: Yeah. And right. so, but no, no one would know who he was if it wasn't for the evangelical church. Probably. That's
2: probably the case, although we don't have a time machine. Um, the Lost Fountain. Thank you for that. Wow. Incredible super chat. How bad is it for these Christians when they decide to deconstruct and take people with them? A lot of people are getting hurt by this now popular thing to do. Yes, I agree. So, let's stop talking about how awesome KMAX music is, and let's start talking about what, what he's What was the saying.
1: album, though, before you changed topics? There was one album that you played for me that I really... Because I don't listen to this kind of stuff much, but you played me one album that sounded like...
2: Fifetime of Angels. It's like four or five covers of 80s songs,
1: yeah. including the cover to the Muse song, because which I is like not an 80s Because I like 80s song. songs.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, so there's an article from Christian... Today, not to be confused with Christianity today, called I'm an ex evangelical, says DC Talk's Kevin Max. And I'm just going to read it, it's very short. I'm just going to read what's said here and we can comment as we go. Kevin Max, formerly part of the DC Talk Christian group, says he's no longer an evangelical. Max formed one part of the popular 90s trio alongside Michael Tate, who now fronts Newsboys and Toby Mac, a solo Christian rapper tweet tweeting over the weekend. Max said, hello, my name is Kevin Max and I'm an ex even or an ex evangelical. Dang it. I got it right on the wrong on the thumbnail. The ex evangelical hashtag is used by people on Twitter to speak about leaving the evangelical faith after negative experiences. And are there frustrations with evangelicalism? Error, frustrations? I have a problem with the notion of the evangelical faith. I mean, I know people do that, especially in the news. Like the Methodist faith, the Baptist faith, the evangelical faith. Well, when Catholic you have a statement faith.
1: of faith called the Baptist faith. you do have a statement of faith. Baptist I mean, faith and messages. It just feels
2: weird to someone who's like a Christian. Okay. Asked by one Twitter user what had led him to become ex evangelical, Max replied, Years and years of experience digging and living. Okay, that doesn't tell me anything. When one person asked if he no longer believes in Jesus, he responded, Nope, didn't say that. Read text carefully. Okay, fair enough. He clarified in another post that he is, quote, still a universal Christ follower and the universe is bigger than you and me. Okay. Still don't know what that means? He says, quote, I have no idea how many people, blogs, or podcasts are using that announcement for further division, but I am here for the grace, he said. Okay. Well, if I said something that was similarly divisive on any number of other issues, like, what What if I said, because he also says he's pro-LGBT. What if I said... Did he? Yeah. What if I said, my, I my position that is that uh, LGBT individuals are image bearers of Christ, equal in value with me, but I think that, that that engaging in homosexual same-sex activity is wrong. And then I followed that with, I know a lot of people are going to write blogs and podcasts about this, but I'm just here for the grace. Would that be okay then? I mean, yeah, it's, it's fine almost like that. I'm
1: here to to give my hot take on this, right. and so I'm one of the people he's talking about because that's what you wanted to talk
2: about, right? But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's almost as if he's saying, "Yeah," to all of you out there who who do make content about this. Like us, I'm just here for the grace. Well, you could say that after anything. Hitler could have said that. <laughs> not comparing you to Hitler at all. Don't go there. I'm just saying, right? I mean, you can say that as a way of saying, "So don't, please, don't bother me about this, or I don't care what you have to say." Next you tweet
1: know. is some bald guy on YouTube compared me to Hitler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that
2: happens, we will know he is dishonest. That's I mean no, not we'll entirely know that he Trinity
1: Radio. That's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. For all
2: those people using my I asked him by the way. I asked K Max to come on here. I tweeted at him and asked him to come on. Also tweeted because yeah,
1: that's out, how you get celebrities on I also
2: tweet no, I said I said, look, I am gonna cover your deconversion or deconstruction, but I'm also going to talk about my top ten favorite Kevin Max tracks so and I did do that I wouldn't have sprung anything on him I would have been very sweet to him I would have said all the same things though um, for all he says for all those people using my post as a plug and play for your own hot take or personal discourse I yes, offer the lyrics to an upcoming song off my new uh, from my new band off my new band sad astronauts the album adult fears titled it's okay okay now astronauts I'm, sad? Uh, sad astronauts that's their Twitter handle um, the song he referenced speaks about how it's okay to be estranged from everything that you were taught and to lose the shame from all the church's, church's abuse.
1: Stop. Stop right there. Okay. Okay. Before we get into ranting about deconstruction and all that business, I just, I, there are people who have been criminally abused— and done wrong by some people in some evangelical churches okay but there's this whole thing out there now of people talking about their pain and trauma and abuses that they've received and some have no uh, sorry if you got your no, I've got to
2: say that. It's true for some people. Yeah,
1: no, I said the, the criminal stuff, whether yeah. it went reported or not, okay. people have been criminally victimized by evangelical Well, churches. but but,
2: th- but but that's not all they'll bring up. The, our friends at the church split, Trinity students, by the way, yeah. will happily tell you that there's a big problem with the fact that the purity culture, you know, the trill of weights and all that sort of thing, yeah. hurts so many by encouraging people to save themselves until marriage. Awful. And uh, to to uh, feel bad if they have actually committed fornication of some sort, that the that this is a natural like part of growing up conviction. And if you feel bad about that, if you make kids feel bad about that or make them think they got to wait till they're married, or, because what it does, and I'm trying to steal me in here, is it makes everything related to marriage about sex is if I can just get married, then I won't have this lust problem anymore. By the way, that's not true. Like Paul and, said, and it's second, better to marry. Them. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what Paul said. I'm
1: sorry that it doesn't swallow well, but th- that, throw that in the bucket of things I'm ranting about right now, okay? And no offense, Will. But just, well,
2: and complementarianism. Everyone knows know, all evangelicals are complementarian. Yeah, throw that. I'm not even and, a
1: complementarian. Throw that in the bucket. Unless you've been criminally abused, that you got your feelings hurt, that's not trauma. OK, that you got stabbed in the back by someone else who was a Christian. That's you have Well, to, now that
2: could be traumatic, but we decry that as much as anybody. No, I'm I've so, been stabbed in the back by evangelicals.
1: Right. But all of this, nothing screams to me hyper individualism as so much introspection that it seems like you can't you're calling it tr- trauma. You've been Trump. No sorry I don't know I have this is a I don't know what his trauma this is, is look uh, no I'm sorry this uh, I've been hurt I've been
2: layman says I'm I've just here for the soapbox speeches
1: somebody at Walmart was rude to me so what I I'm sorry I I, I don't want to mean to trivialize people with real pain and real trauma because there can, are. Because those exist, and what I'm not trivializing anything. What these people are saying when they're running around talking about how hurt and traumatized they were from church, they're the ones who are trivializing real pain that goes on in evangelical churches. And I've had enough of it. You by were the way, hurt, but if you need bubble wrap and a helmet to get through life, I will provide it for you.
2: By the way, I'll tell you, I I realize that people have been done wrong by church people. I'm one of them who's been done wrong by church people, uh, betrayed. And there may be things I've done wrong to church people that I'm not thinking of right now, although it's nothing that I think would be on like a list somewhere, right? It's just, I'm not always the perfect person. But the things that I hear decried are often things that 90% of evangelicals would decry along with you. Like, for example, uh, protestant. like we always get, th- this is something that Will Hess at the, at the church split mentioned and you should subscribe to their channel because it's excellent and and because they're let let me tell you the thing that i one of the things that always gets thrown in there is oh the 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 protesting of of military funerals or the protesting of gay funerals or whatever yeah we'll protest that that westboro baptist type stuff which isn't a representation of evangelicalism
1: or Calvinism or even Calvinism. You want to see Calvinists turn into activists. They will rail against the West because the Westboro Baptist church promotes Calvinism. And so you want to see Calvinists who will spend 90% of their time poo-pooing activism. They will get up off the mat and go blast Westboro Baptist church because of how they represent uh, Calvinism. So yeah, everyone, even the Calvinists who can't, who aren't as activist as other branches of evangelical, they will get up and start protesting those people because no one cares about, no one likes that stuff. Everyone thinks that that's awful.
2: Yeah. I, but
1: let's stop trivializing real pain and suffering yeah. caused by some evangelical churches by all of this whining.
2: Okay. So let's, you were not hurt. And let's, let's, let's finish the article the then. Minute.
1: Um, Oh, by the way, just, just saying, Trinity College of the Bible Theological Seminary offers uh, degree programs and courses in counseling, of which I have no part of for obvious reasons, but we do have that subject.
2: Yeah, and I want to mention here something. Let's get a little Bible up in this stream. The song you referenced speaks about how it's okay to be estranged from everything that you were taught. I can't think, now this is going to be controversial, I can't think of a single faith tradition on Planet Earth, you could have been raised in, where you should be estranged from everything you've been taught. What if you were raised in Islam? Well, monotheism, for example, uh, several other things we could throw in there. Um, what if you were raised in Hinduism? Well, there are things there that we that we believe are true about the way the world is, but specifically with respect to Christianity. If some of what you've been taught, because he's clearly talking to other evangelicals here, right? If some of what you've been taught is the gospel message, we got a big problem because he actually uses the word that the New King James translates it with in Galatians 5 4 through 6. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you've fallen from it. Now, he's not attempting to be justified by the law. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor so the Galatian church was having a problem with. They were thinking they had to basically become Jewish to become Christian. They had to get circumcision, and so Paul is very upset about this, and he's confronting them about this, and he says, "Look, by adding something to the gospel, by by basically abandoning the true gospel." then you are now estranged from Christ. You will be estranged from Christ. You will fall from grace, right? This is the language that he uses. You should be saying amen, Pritchett, on a point like this. Amen. And, and, and yet, and, and, in, and Paul says, if I or an angel from heaven gives you another gospel, let him be anathema. Don't be estranged from Christ. Don't be estranged from what I've taught you. Yeah. What does Kevin Mack say? Kevin Max says, um, what does he say? It's okay. It's okay be, to be estranged from everything you were taught. Well, that depends on what you've been taught. Yeah,
1: I mean, you've been but, taught not to touch a hot stove. I mean, what do we do? Come on. Okay, so time for me to pull my hipster card out because I I never, never once, nor would I ever in my entire adult life, nor would I probably do as my kid ever use a handle or a, a slogan like ex-evangelical. No, I like this. They said I look creepy. Let's keep, let's, no, let's keep it creepy. It's, okay. Now you can see my smile. But uh, this ex-evangelical thing, that's, that's just clever and annoying. Um, but I stopped identifying as an evangelical years ago before it was cool. And just said, you know, I, I, I go with the, the o, what I call Odinism or paleo-orthodoxy, right? And I, I identify. Huh? Odin.
2: Odin? You need to clarify How's which Odin. Odin. Yeah.
1: Not the, he wrote classic Christianity. There is a God named Odin. Right? Classic Christianity is a yeah. systematic theology, historic church, paleo-orthodoxy, right? O-D-E-N. Now like I look O-D-I-N. shiny. okay? Um, but now, but of course, I didn't – you know what you never heard me say when I said I no longer identify as an evangelical? Here's what I hate about evangelicalism and then prattled off a bunch of different things. No, I just thought that my beliefs, if I think evangelical should should mean anything, which people talk about how it doesn't mean anything anymore, it should be these things. And I'm like, I'm probably because I lean to paleo-orthodox and ecumenical that I shouldn't consider myself as an evangelical. So for theological reasons, I decided, I, if I just call myself an evangelical, then I add to the confusion of what evangelicalism is. But now you have all these people, that they want to leave evangelicalism for things that have really...
2: Well, for what? That's where we are now. That's where we're at. So on the Decent Christian Talk podcast I think last these are year, social reasons. Max said he had been in a process of deconstruction for a long time, as we can all a test. If we've been fans, I like to call it deconstruction reconstruction. Any person that's really changing every day, which we do, you're going to deconstruct or you're going to reconstruct. So it's a combination of both those things. Not if you ask internet atheists who told me that when I move from young earth creationism to old earth, by the way, love young earth creationism, you know, love you guys. But I'm just saying when I said that, they said that doesn't count as deconstruction. Deconstruction is becoming not a Christian anymore.
1: Well, then, well, he says he believes in the universal Christ, whatever. Yes,
2: that's where we need to get to. So he says, I've been deconstructing for decades. I've always been progressing, as you can say, and then sometimes I regress. But I think where I am right now is I've really gone on a journey to find out what I truly believe in by reading a lot, thinking a lot, keeping my eyes and ears open. Okay, so he doesn't say it there, but he says elsewhere about this. Uh, that he that he's believes in the universal christ um I was trying to find the actual uh quote but it's out there oh i've been I... deconstructing reconstructing progressing whatever you wish to call it for decades i've been in the outsider i've been an outsider misfit seeker club for a long time now thank you for welcoming welcoming me in but i've always been here he says um i've been yeah so so yeah i'm trying to find where yeah, he I'm says about, about the universal Christ. anyway, he's he's mentioned the Universal Christ. Well, what is the Universal Christ thing? The Universal Christ thing um, is from Richard Rohr, and it is a complete reimagining of what Jesus is and separating Christ from Jesus, the human Jesus, and not worshiping, the messenger, so to speak, but worshiping the God who the messenger reveals. Pritchett, what do you have to say about this?
1: Um, all, all I see is uh, in this article says in another post, Max clarified that he still follows the universal Christ. And that's in quotes. Uh, that was in in another post following the note. Didn't say that. Read text carefully. Um, yeah, I don't. I, this is something that I don't know anything about.
2: Well, I did a minute ago because I had an article pulled up about it, but somehow it got closed. Oh. So. No, here it is. Maybe. Yeah. Everything is Christ and other messages, muddled messages from Richard Rohr. Okay. You you want to know what Rohr is all about? Yeah. The 76-year-old Roar has been a Franciscan friar and a Catholic priest for 50 years, and he yeah. founded the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Roars the Universal Christ is Amazon's number one book in the Christology, Christian Ethics, and it was blurbed by U2 singer Bono, Obro Winfrey, blah, blah, blah. A, uh, a search for the National Catholic Reporter uncovers dozens of articles. Mm. Uh the universal Christ, Roar's overarching project in his new book, is to distinguish Jesus from Christ. Near the beginning, he asks, how is Christ's function a role or role different from Jesus? His answer is that Jesus is limited particular, and earthbound, while Christ is unlimited, universal, and cosmic. Rohr writes, Christ was clearly not just Jesus of Nazareth, but something much more immense. Rohr's Jesus is puny compared with Christ. In his account of Jesus' resurrection, Rohr not only describes Jesus, or distinguishes Jesus from Christ, but opposes them. He holds that Jesus must vanish, that Christ may come forth. In the universal Christ, Rohr calls Jesus the amalgam of matter and spirit, though not an obviously false statement. It's a minimizing assertion, a phrase that might be applied to any human being. Rohr conspicuously doesn't assert that Jesus is Christ or that Jesus is God. Instead, he says that Christ is God and that Jesus is the manifestation in time. Because for Rohr, everything in the universe is a manifestation of God. To call Jesus a manifestation of God is to merely say that Jesus is part of the universe. In another passage, Rohr calls Jesus a wonderful symbiosis of divinity and humanity. Yet symbiosis implies that Jesus may have been simply a man who interacted with God. Again, Rohr writes, we spend a great deal of time worshiping the messenger and trying to get other people to do the same. Jesus, did, did Jesus ask us several times? He asked his followers to do that, but never once asked them to worship him.
1: Mm, this is a, and then he
2: redefines all the terms. This right. is something we see in cults, by the way. In our cults class, we talk about now, how many, many cults have the same lexicon that we do for theological terms like God, Son, Spirit, Trinity, but they mean something entirely different. And there's a point, there's something I wanted to get out of this or read out of this that I think is very, very you powerful.
1: Paleo Orthodoxy and Historic Christology. You know, I mean hypostatic union, let's get rid of all of that stuff <laughs> and let's just talk about one with the universe. Ugh.
2: Yeah, here, here they say, who else other than Roar separates Christ from Jesus? Well, the list includes syrinthus the 2nd century Gnostic, Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian science, and New Age thinkers of the 1980s. Eddie yeah, wrote, there's,
1: there's a, a club you want to belong in.
2: Well, and someone might say, oh, that's just um, guilt by association. No, it's not. Uh, guilt by association is saying about Chris Date that he's an annihilationist and so are um uh, Jehovah's Witnesses seventh day of Venice. So there's well, you don't want to be in that group well in that case the doctrine that we're talking about is one shared by both groups. The fact that both groups share it doesn't necessarily blemish annihilationists like Chris State. Yeah. Uh, in this case, the doctrine is the connecting point, and it's the thing that we're saying is problematic for them, and it's a problematic for any Christian claim right, to be a Christian. Right, because it goes also. against the story of orthodoxy.
1: Right. It's like saying, oh, Chris Date the Calvinist guy, yeah. the, the the Protestant guy, the most proud Protestant Calvinist, one of them that I know. But, you know, he's really Catholic because Catholics believe in the Trinity and Chris Tate believes in the Trinity, so therefore Chris Date's a Catholic. Right. That's how that works.
2: Or we're Muslim because we both also believe in They believe in a, God. A God.
1: You believe in God? Ah, Muslims.
2: But now here's, a, here's an interesting yeah. part of this article. By the way, this is from the Gospel Coalition. But that's Coalition.
1: not what... This is. They're Says, all in the same.
2: One of the most serious problems for Rohr is the unacknowledged issue of ethical discernment. He tells us that God in Jesus' death stands in solidarity with history's sufferers. So far, so good. But this is where his attempt to salvage some meaning in Jesus' death runs into a head on collision with the universal Christ teaching. Rohr in the universal Christ never addresses the ethical problem endemic to all mon- monistic worldviews of distinguishing good from evil. For if Christ is the Jewish girl hiding in her bedroom trying to escape detection, then Christ is also the Nazi stormtrooper kicking in the front door. Following his own preference, Rohr might wish to identify with the youthful victim in this case, but what if I prefer to identify myself with the brutality of the stormtrooper? I'm not the only one, by the way, bringing up Hitler, it sounds like. By Rohr's principles, the heartless soldier is Christ, no less than the hapless victim. The premises might lead as readily to a Nazi stormtrooper theology as to a solidarity with victims theology. I see no no escape from this ethical problem unless Roar either jettisons. This is from the Gospel Coalition. The guy who wrote this is Michael Mclemont. Way to
1: go. You're making perfect sense. Yes. See, evangelical critics of TGC, they have some good stuff here
2: to sum it all up I'm Jesus, you are Jesus everyone is Jesus that is where roar ends up
1: and that's that's a big problem a sewer. now before that's we move off of this nonsense.
2: before we move off of this let's take a look at the lyrics that he tells us to point to that he points us to to determine his new positions okay in his new song Adult Fears I think or at least that's the album he says It's okay to be estranged from everything that you were taught, and it's okay to unpack all the hopeless baggage that you bought. I know the sun, it never shines in the same place twice, and I know that life is better with a trusted vice, but you will change when you cave to the universal Christ, the lyrics read. And it's okay for you to lose the shame from all the church's abuse, and it's okay for them to see you don't believe in man's inerrancy. I know the sun, it never shines in the same place, in the place you hide, I know you think it's better shrouded in secrets and lies. But you'll change when you embrace the glowing universal Christ.
1: And you think he he he's he's read all that from Roar.
2: That's the connection with the universal Christ language. And
1: you think he's aware of that, or do you think he kind of? Yeah, because someone said wrong. they saw him mention that he was reading that in a there, Facebook okay. in his gotcha. Facebook. Group. Okay, good. Uh,
2: Kevin Max uh, tweets just so you, just so there's no question. Someone asked him, are you pro-Israel? Are you pro-Palestine? I'm pro-not-killing people. And he says, anti-war, pro-peace, anti-hate, pro-love. So far, I'm on board. Pro-LGBTQAI, pro-BLM, pro-open-mindedness, anti-narrow-mindedness, pro-utopia, anti-white nationalist agenda, pro equality, pro-equality, pro-vax, pro-music, anti-one-percenters, pro-poor, pro-misfit, pro-Jesus, etc.
1: Okay, so... So listen to 98% of the people who bite my stuff, white Republicans. I'm a Democrat. That's what he's saying. That, that's You can reduce all that. I, because I have a new band, and even though these lyrics sound like teenage death poetry from a 15-year-old girl in the suburbs, this screams, I don't want my evangelical baggage to hinder my next project and you're
2: not psychologizing you just say that we can sure see how it sounds like that
1: it comes off as that but Um, I said a few episodes ago I don't care about psychologizing that's that's everyone you're happy to do it well I said as long no I'm just saying that's what but if I mean you can see that this screams that out because I have a bad boy image, and this is my new bad boy image, which is agreeing with prominent culture on every social issue that they agree with. Very uh-huh. very rebellious.
2: Well, here's the lyrics to his, Jesus, I love you, but your followers freak me out.
1: Okay, this is ripping off Gandhi now.
2: What do you think when people say your name? This is to God, I guess. Or to Jesus. What do you think when people say your name? What do you think when they twist your words and bend them out of shape? Solid question. What do you think when they picket all the gays? What do you think when the modern church in all their different ways? Okay.
1: What do you think when people overturn tables in the temple? <laughs> what do you What do you think when well, people I've call said, you a brood of vipers? Yeah. Jesus? Oh, wait, that was Jesus. My bad. No, look, this stuff, I mean, look. I understand. Pro where,
2: PlayStation 4, MJ Jackson. So.
1: I understand where a lot of this. <laughs> well, those are the only ones that you can get still at uh, if you, get, you find the right. Um, what's that store? GameStop. But look, I've been on this PlayStation 5 circus since before Christmas, and it's not getting any
2: better. What do you think when they pick it? all the gays? Here's the thing about that. Like That's had- again to wrangle us in with the Westboro Baptist.. Right. and secondly, as far as evangelicals, for more than ten years, I went every year to the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting, and it was the, it was gay protesters picketing. The SBC and the SBC brought out food, and water, water yeah, T-shirt, anything to make them feel comfortable. That's all. So that's this all. is
1: cameras are rolling. Let's get the yeah. protesters on. Cameras are rolling. Let's show how nice we are by giving. Uh, that's all. Well, I'm sure.
2: That's not what the SBC was. There was no cameras around there. Well, Sorry, they, they loved those people and loved I, on I those people and loved on those people and were bringing them water because they cared and wanted to reach I them. I believe this there wasn't there were like the leaders does. of the SBC. This yeah. was. This was. John Doe, who I, happens to be the I, John Doe does pastor of optics involved in all. No, places. he's the pastor of Buffalo Creek, Alabama First Baptist Church, and all he cares and about is people going to heaven.
1: It, but they also knew that it was important no, to do that. Yeah. No,
2: no, you're just wrong about that. I, I'm I was in saying,
1: it. I'm saying both end. I'm not. Saying no, I'm there's
2: saying no both end. I know what it was. Oh, These were southern. But be- are you no. saying there's not a yes? Okay. Now, when the SBC makes a public statement that gets out on NBC and ABC and all that, yeah, that's that's for optics. But this, a bunch of little small town pastors taking stuff out to help the uh, po- protesters, no, that's that's legit.
1: No, I believe it, and then then they, they they're glad that that happened so that they can go on CNN. I'm glad
2: so that. I can talk about it right now yeah. here.
1: Yeah, mean no, it's just you know.
2: A Jesus, I love you, but your followers freak me out. What do you think of the knights and all their crusades?
1: I think the first two or three I knew crusades you had were pretty noble efforts that were good and worthy of uh, applauding for, for what they Then it just went downhill. No, me.
2: he's not, Brando. I was there. I knew the people. Be on my team, Brando. Be but, on Team but, Hunter. No,
1: I, look, Have I, some optimism I about win. evangelicalism. No. I think, I said, I think you're right. There were the the people who were doing that. They meant that they weren't just doing it for show. Mm -hmm. But there's still optics involved in that. There are people who will usurp that for optics. Like you right now, and you admitted it.
2: I'm trying to get to the truth of this. I'm not saying yay, yay, Southern Baptist Convention. I'm saying yay, yay, evangelicals. No, I'm saying
1: yay, yay. You should go bring them water if it's hot outside. And it is hot because they always do this thing in the summer where it's burning up somewhere in the south. And if you see some gay activists protesting the sbc go take up some water yeah i totally get there are sincere people that are doing that but it, there's also a pr thing involved it's like when I say, derek
2: beeler says the best treatment of richard Rohr, in my opinion was Alyssa childers interview with stephen binkars for those interested in digging further thank you for that and thank you so much nia 2021 For or two two twenty one for hey guys finally caught your live stream how does one respond to an atheist who thinks the Bible thinks the God of the Bible is misogynist patriarchal because of First Timothy two twelve there is
1: about four hours on Trinity Radio Extra of me prattling on about this uh, with Nick Quint I encourage you to go check out those videos on Trinity Radio Extra. Um,
2: For an egalitarian perspective, for a complementarian perspective, it's as simple as this. You don't get to have God the way you want him all the time. And if it is the case, I'm a soft complementarian. I actually don't care if egalitarianism turns out to be true, and and that would actually make my life a lot easier in some respects. Um, And we could use the help. We need our sisters helping us if that's the case. Uh, That said, if God said he doesn't want bald dudes uh, involved in uh, that way, then guess what? Bald dudes don't get to be involved because he's God. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. God isn't always... One thing I always want to say when people talk about stuff in the Bible they don't like, and I, and I get that you're not saying this. I get you're, you're, you're telling me what the skeptics are saying is, what if God isn't the way you think he should be? What, what if that's true? Is that okay? Probably not, but it should be okay because he's God. I preach it.
1: But back to these lyrics that you're reading, it is that paint with a broad brush. Like, I've said plenty of criticisms about evangelicalism and fundamentalism, but I've also said plenty because the second, I mean, evangelicalism has been a huge force of good in the world. Fundamentalists have been a huge force of good in the world, Heck especially yeah. the, the traditional fundamentalists. But the second you start trashing them, I'm going to take up for them because I, I'd like to take up. Trashing them. who? when someone wants to trash evangelical as if they're all this all Christians are this or all fundamentalists are this or all evangelicals are th- and just throw everyone in the same bucket well i can i can start making buckets and toss uh, the kevin maxes in the world in a, in a bucket but that's uh, you know that's just cheap i can do better
2: yeah sad astronauts band liked four of my tweets nice <laughs> <laughs> that's kevin by the way <laughs> That's Kevin. I don't know if he'll be happy once he once he hears this podcast, but I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just telling you the way it is. I I love Kevin. Ma- I'm a fan.
1: You know, you are a fan, and I'm a fan of that one album that you played for me. Yeah, I'm a yeah. fan. So
2: whenever way when, more
1: talent than we got, I'm
2: going to be hard on my favorites, and this is not good. This is not well, good.
1: And these lyrics that we read, this those. Now,
2: here's the thing. What people want to do is they want to keep Jesus. Will Hess said this on the church split on this same issue about Kevin Max. And, and as he said, we don't have all the information we like about Kevin's position because um, Kevin's currently uh, not told us everything we want to know. He's told us enough, though, to make some statements. And what Will Hess said, I thought was really important, is a lot of times when people go progressive or when people deconstruct, what they do is they want to keep Jesus because Jesus is awesome, right? They want to keep Jesus, but they want to disconnect Jesus from Christianity, which can't be done.
1: And all the source material that actually ever told us the most information about Jesus, yeah, the Bible, um,
2: yeah, and 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 the and what and they want to disconnect it from organized religion. Well. Forget the fact that it was organized religion that was the movement that Jesus, for one thing, pointed backwards and said, that was all about me. Actually, it wasn't backwards in his day before he was crucified and rose again, but he, it was organized religion that, that, that pointed to the Messiah and Jesus affirms the totality of the Old Testament where it says a lot of things that I think those progressive folks don't like. So now that you can do, you can do what some do. Randall Rouser, I think, has a new book doing this. And Randall, if you see this and I messed this up, I'm sorry. Just go check out his book and decide for yourself. But if if the way it happens is, well, I'll just do this. This is what the guy that spoke with, um, the Colby guy who spoke with Sean McDowell the other day said. We we get a picture of what Jesus is like. We understand what Jesus is like. It's like that cruciform hermeneutic type thing. You figure out what is Jesus like. Then you go, because he's God's representation on earth of God, right? So look at him, then look at the New and the Old Testament, and where there's anything that we know Jesus, my Jesus, would not have said, then Jesus didn't say that. The problem then is, you. it, it is like, I, I get it, like for certain people who are scholars, they might not do this, or at least might not do it to the same extreme. But when you, when you say that to the average person who's just deconstructed, that is to them, I think, a license to create a Jesus in their own image. Yeah. I don't think Jesus would have said this, so he didn't say it. And you become the arbiter of what Jesus said and what he didn't say and what uh, he's on board with. Him Braxton, not.
1: how many churches have you visited in your lifetime in your 40 years on earth? Hundreds. Hundreds, right? Mm-hmm. In and around Tennessee, too, right?
2: That, too, yeah. yeah. Not just, but yeah.
1: Right. So I've been to far less, but I've been to many different churches. Nowhere mm-hmm. near your count. But, and not for the same reasons that you go to all these churches, but... I've I've been around and this sentence is what really I thought was weird. The total totalitarian fear that's constant, in my opinion, in a lot of <laughs> evangelical churches have made people regress over time. What what do you think you know what's constant in most evangelical churches that I've been to?
2: Think Zoe is zero abundant? Potlucks. Potlucks are
1: a constant. Yes. Um, Praise God. Nice ladies that I don't know if they're trying to communicate something or being polite, but they'll always hand you like a breath mint or a piece of gum or something because, you know, they're like, here, would you like this? And, you know, you, you've got uh, people who argue over the carpet and stuff. I, I'm what I don't think I ever remember is a total totalitarian. Well, OK, we're done a this totalitarian fear that causes people to regress is there's it as if there's like a dark cloud hanging over all of these churches that have fewer than 75 people in there who are happy and singing their songs and ready to go say the closing prayers so they can eat what do you make of this i mean do you do you, do you feel like you were engulfed in I'll say it again, his words, total, totalitarian fear.
2: <coughs> fear? Yeah. Is it fear like of disobedience it's and fear led, of hell? It's
1: led people to, it's made people regress over time. I feel like anybody out there going through it, they should just embrace it. If, they're, if they are a deep believer, they should have these deep conversations with the God they believe in and really struggle with it, talk to him about it. Okay, but I am curious what this totalitarian fear I've never felt. It's the fear of hell, Fearful. it's the fear
2: of disobedience because I'm telling you they te- what what progressives tend to do and I, mean, I don't know to what extent he's progressive, he's sounding like it is if you take if you take the worst instances of things that have happened under the umbrella of evangelicalism, which is huge by the way. Yeah. Um and you take the worst instances and then you act like that's what it all is right, then, then that's a problem. But like fear, like the lick my boot type leadership strategy, okay, so which is more at home with new independent fundamentalist ago. Baptists. Yeah. But if you want to talk about uh, fear of hell, yeah, I'll say what Will Hess said on, on the other show is, is that, yeah, there are some things you ought to be afraid of. That's just reality. And do you think maybe that God has some expectations and that there might be some things he wants you to know are dangerous? Is that allowed? Or you're not allowed, God's not allowed to do that. It's like... (sighs) You can do that in the medical profession. The doctors can do it. Scientists can do it. Climate change advocates can do it. But Jesus can't do it about spiritual stuff.
1: Because it hurts my feelings. But even there, you and I have... And most people I know who are Christians don't have... If he's talking about hell here, which he doesn't mention, but if he's talking about the fear of hell... Very few people I've ever, ever talked to in church actually have a fear of hell because they are saved or at least believe themselves to be. And so they have no fear of that. Mm-hmm. And I there's just I just don't... In all the churches I've been to in the South, even been to churches in Tennessee, where you're from, I don't remember just clouds of total totalitarian... Uh, fear so I, I don't I don't get well that. here's the thing too but, but I don't know mm. I don't know what I don't have a problem with people just embracing the things that they're struggling about we talk about that all the time but it, he said somewhere that he now has more questions than answers
2: yeah that's fine but what I want to say is uh, mm. what was the last thing you just brought up
1: Embracing the struggles that you're dealing. You're no, through. I don't know. Okay, and then this know. total totalitarian fear that's constant in a lot of evangelical churches. Yeah, that I don't I know. I must have never been to. I've never experienced that. Right, and, and but I don't know. That's uh, we want. We invite Christians to ask us challenging. If you have more questions than answers, it's because you don't. Oh, you don't like the actual answers. You want different answers. Than the answers that have been given for two thousand years in the history of the church. That's now, what that is. I,
2: here's what I'm going to tell you. Now, this is a fact. I think you're going to have to live with. Most people are going to have to live with. And if we're wrong, then it's horrible that this has happened to you. If we're right, you ought to thank God that that you're aware of the truth. And that is, if you become, if it's hell you're talking about, if that's what you're worried about. And walk, and and by walking away, you think that that fear will be gone, or by becoming an atheist, that fear will be gone. Can I tell you that as a person who steeps himself in worldview conversations every single day of life, seven days a week, um, that does not happen. You will continue to be afraid of the evangelical understandings of hell. And you will do that if you're an atheist or if you're a progressive Christian. Some will not. Some will be able to convince themselves not to worry about it. Now, that will be terrifying and traumatic. Yep. I'll go with you. It'll be. Ta- I said it at the Rethinking Hell conference. That teaching on hell is terrifying and traumatic. So is finding out that you're going to have to have a major operation because you're a smoker and you wrecked your health. That's terrifying and traumatic. The question is, is it true? If it's true, you need to accept it. And that, but, but here's the thing by deconverting, you're not fixing that fear. That fear is still going to be there for most people. The way to fix that fear is to come to Jesus. The only legitimate way to absolve yourself of fear of hell is found in Jesus. That's it. Well, oh, well, you got another way.
1: No, I was saying, but he could people, some people are going to respond. Well, we still have Jesus. What It may not be the Jesus that you understand and what historic Christianity has affirmed. Right,
2: the one you have no documents to back up. That Jesus, (laughs) the one you have no reason to believe, has any similarity whatsoever to what you're putting forward. Right, That's why I kind of have, and I'm not trying to be rough to, I'm not really talking to Kevin when I say this. Because again, I don't really know what his story is. But to a lot of people, I think, okay, the atheists wouldn't have you, the atheists that I deal with. You know why? Because they're going to look at it and say, well, if it's not true, why are you bothering with it? Well, but it might be true because this and that and the other thing. You don't. What's your evidence? What's your manuscript evidence for that? That's at least these evangelistic fundamentalist evangelical types. At least they believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Yeah. What have you got? You've got nothing. You've got what you would like Jesus to be like. Yeah, I'm being well, much harder. Well, but then than again,
1: one thing he said that I like is uh, the the I did like the line about man's inerrancy because you know, a lot of people think that that their interpretations are identical with the text's original meaning, and that's not always the case. So that's a fair thing. But when you're kicking against historic orthodoxy on Christology, which, by the way, all of the council things that they deemed uh, heretical for, you know, the first four or five of them, were Christological issues, right? I mean, that was the—Christology was the thing they zeroed in on in the early church fathers. That's the one thing that they laser-focused on. Yes. And— Kind of important. Right. And when people start messing with that, if you believe in the God and you believe in the Holy Spirit and you believe that the Holy Spirit is among His church people, then— it's reasonable that what everyone mainly agrees on about Christology, where even the annihilationist Chris date and the Roman Catholic, uh, they're all like, yeah, that's, that's proper understanding of Christology. You're probably wrong. Not saying you're guaranteed to be wrong, but I'm 99.9% with a line over the nine. You're wrong about Christology. Because I don't—this is why the oneness Pentecostals of whatever stripe, whether they're modalists or whatever, um, or they just believe in a completely human Jesus, or however they shake that out, any tampering with historic Christology is is false and probably damnable because it's a different Jesus than the one that the Bible talks about. I mean, there are things that we can know. There are things that I believe that the Spirit of God has led his people to understand. There are things that— christians within the big tent of paleo orthodoxy can fight about we may never get it resolved on this side of heaven fine christology don't mess with that because that it's either or. those are the things that they called heresy so when you start messing with christology and getting into this stuff that roars on about i this is i miss um his predecessor i mean It just seemed like uh, Pope Francis, it just seemed like Benedict was cleaning stuff up before he quit.
2: I fear heaven and hell equally in the long term. Short term, though, hell hell is worse 100%. I'd like to know what you're afraid of heaven about. I think I know what you might say, but I'd like to know what you think. Because if the concern about heaven is what I call the good place concern, because it was featured on The Good Place, as something that actually happens, is the notion that you'll have done everything and every, it'll ultimately get to be boredom, well, which State will then become torture. This. I can think of like at least two possible defeaters immediately just off the top of my head to that. So surely that's not what you're talking about.
1: But, that you would just get bored? Hear. You fear that you, the fear of heaven is it'll get boring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Dates has some really, really good stuff on that.
2: Okay, we're on to Q&A now. Right. Um, Shidada. No, no, no. We're going to come back to you. In just a minute, DeCola. So to wrap
1: up, Kevin, Max, I understand that you're going, you've been on this journey and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Take it easy on the evangelical church that did reward you handsomely for your talent. Yes. And that they are not all in the worst possible examples that you can think of and then say, because I don't like that, I'm done. That's, you're, you're better than that. So all I want to say is, look, I don't like this business. they silly phrases, but we're deconstructing. It's like ex-evangelical. Come on, man. Um, this kind of stuff is silly. Deconst- For those that
2: don't know, hashtag things if you're an evangelical still, still an evangelical. Yeah. Or extravangelical.
1: That's equally silly. But I don't care. It's clever. Like ex-evangelical is clever. But it's, Put still evangelical. It, it just hashtag, hashtag still evangelical. These words, deconstruct. You know, we used to say, "Okay, you're analyzing the things that you believe in, and you have questions." We just used to call that thinking.
2: Yeah, we're moved on from that. So, the Lost on, Fountain man. has just a question start... for you, Pritchett. Yeah. Okay, Mister P, do you not believe that the damage from false teaching can equal abuse? If not, then I would love to give you my story of the damage caused to me and my uh, and and others from the hyper charismatic stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, that would be like. Were you where the word of faith movement defrauds you of property because you were believing terrible doctrine? I, I, yeah, that's a serious thing. Uh, those kinds of heresies are spiritually abusive in ways that damage people's lives because they think that they need to enrich whoever's spewing nonsense on the stage. Yeah, I think that's a huge problem, but. upper middle class white ex evangelicals whining about the th- everything they don't like because little old ladies didn't tell them told them to not have sex as teenagers that's the kind of stuff I'm railing against and that's what oh. almost, that's what 90% or more of these i was hurt or traumatized but they weren't like sexual abuse cases which happened. see real trauma gets real trauma gets trivialized when just nonsense becomes elevated to to all we're talking about, and now we're talking about deconstruction and the El- evangelical church hurt my feelings and all of this, and it wasn't, what, a year ago that the uh, Houston Chronicle exposed uh, sex abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention, but now yeah. we're talking about this stuff. I mean, let's keep the real abuse yeah. uh, in the forefront and fight against that, but, oh, They traumatized me because they didn't let me have my sin or they didn't let me do this or that. That's what I hear almost always. It's never real abuse or real trauma. It's you didn't like something or someone was mean to you.
2: Or I wasn't allowed to have sex until I got married. Then when I got married, I found out that we don't like each other sexually. And now I'm divorced and all messed up spiritually because of it.
1: Because even though the church preached purity for 2,000 years.
2: Uh, MJ Jackson has an idea. Hashtag be evangelical. <laughs> be evangelical. Now, that's great. Here's the problem, guys. And I'm serious. I'm really serious about this. So Brando has put up here supervangelical. No, supra. evangelical. Yeah. Supra is the word from which we get the word supra. It means more than. So you're more than evangelical. Um but we got to settle on one, and that one is easy. That, that MJ came up with. Yeah. I like super evangelical, and I will use it. Yeah. But be evangelical. Actually, I like I, that.
1: I am for using all of it to trivialize. No, to no,
2: no, no, no. Because the then nobody expert. will hear it. It'll get watered down. I like what you're saying, but it'll get watered down. Yeah. Folks, be evangelical. That is be the letter B, and evangelical. That's the hashtag. Hashtag be evangelical.
1: No, I just. Flood it with all I, cause flood it with Supra be Extra. No, no big, be evangelical. Use them all. No, don't.
2: Yes, I want use them all to use Brown out the. But they won't. It'll be like three people in our stream using it. Here we can at least have three people saying hashtag be evangelical. Pritchett isn't a he isn't a fan of pro Calvinist Armenian books, but the Armenian books I'm reading now, four lines in Passirly, have been fantastic. Pesirilli. Just
0: saying.
1: Yeah, or Pekka, really. Yeah. However, you want to say his you don't name. know. Do you it, try to correct name? me. You don't even know. Well, it's one. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> um, yeah, they're good authors, um, and I like a lot of their stuff. Um, I've just you don't get for, my complaint about those books is you don't you because they're covering such a broad topic. It doesn't drill down on the you know with enough depth on all the exegetical issues that that, that need to be drilled down on. And, and the critical commentaries are better for that.
2: Okay, so now I want to go back.
1: Someone said I agree with Pritchett, so let's put that.
2: Well, I was already on this one. We'll get to it.
1: here. How? Do- I like it when someone agrees with me.
2: I know. Calvin Withen, who I said, what's, what's the deal with heaven that you don't like? He said, I mentioned this in another stream and you brought up a good pl- the good place. I'm curious what you have to say about it, though. It's a relatively new idea to me, so I'm open about it. Okay, so if you're agreeing with me that the concern about heaven is that it will just go on forever and at some point philosophically if it literally has no end are you coming back yes if it literally has no end it will never end then at some point you will have had every conversation with every person about everything you'll have traveled to every square meter of the planet earth you'll have done everything that a person could want to do so won't it all be boring and then amount to a hell or a torture of some sort well kind of and kind of not really and the the i mean it it, it would it per, i don't think it would anyway because you're in the presence of Jesus all right but taking all that out cuz i get it for a skeptic if you're a skeptic that might not seem compelling um, the the thing is i can think of two simple defeaters now a defeater remember is not something i know to be the case it's just something that if it were it would take away the impact of what you're trying to say of the argument you're making and the not made informal argument i think that you're thinking of is that heaven will go on forever. And like we said, well, there's two simple solutions. You may not like either one of them, but just from my limited brain, you could recognize that. Okay. One, uh, God could being in God's presence, that aspect of your personality or your humanity that gets bored just simply may not be active. That's how powerful it is. So you just won't have the capability to get bored of something like that. Um, or, or whether you have the capability, it, it won't happen in the presence of the God, the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. I like that. If you don't like that, fine. He just turns off the thing that's problematic, that, that thinks of things as boring. Or this is really crass and they tried it on The Good Place and there's no reason it shouldn't have worked. I don't think this is what's going to happen, but it's a simple idea that overcomes the concern you've got, which is uh, what if every billion years it's just a start over and you don't even remember what's happened before. Again, I don't think that's a solution, but it would solve the problem. The third possibility is it's actually not true that in a billion years you've had a or however long you would have had every conversation with every possible person. Our God is a creator. We will continue to explore the cosmos, I'm sure, in um, in, in eternity. And it's a big cosmos. And even when we reach the end of this cosmos, We've got a God who can create another cosmos for us and start all over. So there are multiple ways to resolve this problem that I think are really plausible, just to throw it out there. Okay, um, I see someone here. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I'm using the wrong thing here. Let's see here. DeCalo was going to say something. I lost it.
1: Someone had a
2: question for me. but Let's see. I have lost it. I have a cool Brass new hope. I have a cool new little feature where I can keep t- track of comments and I'm not using it properly. I don't know, but Michael Eads says, "I believe in the Trinity." Amen. But doesn't it evoke Occam's razor? Also, if God is a disembodied spirit, why do we refer to him as as he? Love you guys. I'll take it in reverse order, or maybe I'll take the first, you can take the second, or I'll take both of them. I don't care. Um, so the, uh, with, with God being a, he God doesn't have a biological body. Now, of course Jesus does, but God, the father does not have a biological body. So he's not a biological male, but. It is the case that he tells us how we're to think of him. Years and years and years ago, a preacher at the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention's annual meeting, all the preachers had all these fancy titles like the hermeneutical importance of the third stands of this and that, and blah, blah, blah. He got up and his sermon was, Is God a Man or a Woman? And in the end, the solution was not that God is a man or a woman, but that God is Father. That's how we're supposed to think about God. That's the imagery, and imagery is important. That's the image we're supposed to take away from the Bible, because how to think about God. That. He's like a father. God chose that, right, for himself. Right. He is Father. So you think of him as Father, you don't think of him as biological genitalia or something like that. Now, I believe in the Trinity, but it doesn't it evoke Occam's razor. It, it, where Occam's razor would come up is if you're building a philosophical argument— for a triune god then you might have to deal with occam's razor there because you would shave away those things not necessary those variables not necessary to explain phenomenon swinburne actually where we yeah richard swinburne was jesus god he has a case there for a trinitarian god that he builds there uh it 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 doesn't i don't think occam's razor The argument he makes requires three in order to make sense of the data. So it avoids Occam's razor. But where Occam's razor would come up in arguments like that. But when you're talking about something that's a a doctrinal view that we hold on the basis of other things we think we have good reasons to believe in, like special revelation, like scripture, well, that's why we believe in the Trinity, not because. and, And any philosophizing that a believer does about the Trinity is more often than not going to be to explain why it's reasonable that you could have a, a Trinity and that there's nothing contradictory about
1: it. it it would evoke Occam's razor if we were talking about three deities if we were tritheists, theists if, if we were talking about three divine beings it does not evoke Occam's razor because we're not we're only we're only have one being God monotheism and that the God is tripersonal, three persons I think you don't. You still have one maximal being. So the maximal being Y three. Uh, well, that's what we received in in uh, special revelation. But I do think Swinburne's case is Jesus God. I think he does make uh, interesting arguments for why for Y three. So um, there you go. Things like um, well, if there were two persons, three three. Is a sufficient number to maximize self-giving and self-love directed towards, uh, what, what does he say? Directed to, when you have three rather than just you can two. have love back and forth. You can but, have but 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 three is sufficient more than two. But I can't mm-hmm. remember what what he was.
2: You can pick up the book. Was Jesus yeah. God? It's it's good.
1: There was something about about three yeah. love being going three ways instead of just two ways because that satisfied something that had to do with. The kind of the corporate dimension uh, of that. So, but I can't remember the language he used, but it had something to do with like corporate uh, interchanges of love and things like that. So. Okay. Uh,
2: I found this one. It is important. Um, Dakalo Shidada, I hope. Hey guys, love your channel. I'm struggling with doubt. How do you think I can deal with it? This was my question. Okay.
1: Well, this is where Kevin Max actually said some things that I think are helpful because except not with respect to deconstruction, but with respect to doubt, you lean on the God that you believe in, that even if you're going through moments of doubt, you lean into him for, for, uh, to hear you. Um, so I would take what Kevin Maxwell was saying about deconstruction and, and apply it to doubt, because that's actually what I say when people are experiencing doubt. When I experience doubt, and I go through these experiences uh, from time to time, usually once a year I'll have a moment of doubt, um, it's never about, like, my salvation. I believe if Christianity is true, I'm saved. But is Christianity true? That's where my, that's, that's kind of where my doubt will go. But what I do is, is I lean on the God that I'm doubting to carry me through the period of doubt. Because, really, the period of doubt that you're experiencing is probably deeper than the doubt itself. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's not that Christianity is impossible to doubt, but... It's that when all you have, and this is where people confuse faith and hope. Um, sometimes people say, "Well, if you're doubting, are you not having faith?" No, I actually have faith in the biblical sense of the way the word "pistis" Trust. is used. Right. But what I'm what but but what's carrying me through is not the, the intellectual doubt versus intellectual belief is actually hope. And sometimes hope's all you got. But as long as you're putting your hope in the one. Uh, when you're going through the period of doubt, doesn't settle the questions that are causing the doubt, but it helps you navigate that period of doubt, which is really affecting the way that you're operating as a human being that's getting in the way of flourishing. And so lean into the hope and and talk to God about it. That's my number one advice, because where else can you go? You shouldn't, I mean, you can go to all the apologetics books that you, you can get your hands on, but I've read all those. I can't go there because I already know that stuff. And right? I think
2: Miss Mutola is so, saying so she I'm has saying like an annual doubt.
1: Yeah. Lean in the Yeah. Once a year or something I'll I'll have serious questions. Um, not because of anything. He comes and talks to me and i settle him down. Yeah. Not because of anything some atheist on the internet ugh, they haven't said anything new that's gonna convince me Christianity's false in twenty years. They just repackage it. Uh, the the doubt doesn't come from arguments or evidence the doubt just comes really it's more of a of a internal issue that's more emotional than intellectual so if it it, and if that's similar to what you're going through but when i usually talk to people about their their doubts it really happens more often than not as more emotional period in their life rather than intellectual even though there are intellectual doubts there those came in because there's something else going on in life so i always lean into the hope uh, you know faith hope and love the greatest is love it's not even faith but we undersell the role of hope hoping uh, and hope is not blind hope like um, you know taking the, what, what some people consider the leap of faith into the dark well just hoping against reason I don't have hope against reason but I just hope in the reasons that I have uh, in the God that I'm currently doubting so
2: yeah so um I think that you hit on some good points there. You didn't hear a word. To add a little structure to what you just said, you talked about intellectual and emotional doubt.
1: Well, intellectual doubt is caused by an emotional thing that's taking you through a period of doubt because of the way that you are feeling while you're experiencing the, the intellectual doubts. That's really what's more of a problem than just thinking things through because it interferes with the way because feeling like that when you have those doubts interferes with the clarity in which you can think through the issues. Does that make sense?
2: I think you're saying you'll have emotional doubt when you're having intellectual doubt.
1: Right. And it's the the emotional doubt that complicates your ability to ha- reason through the intellectual doubt.
2: I think that's true. So you have those two kinds of doubt. You also might have unclear, and unclear usually falls into the emotional side of it, too. But um, I, I'll, I would just recommend, uh, first of all, if you can't find an intellectual referent, like if you're into this kind of stuff, like apologetics channels, you, you might think of five things that are questions about Christianity you have issue with. Um, but the question really is, is there something particular that's causing you trouble right now? If there is, deal with that. That's the intellectual doubt. If there's not, it could be emotional doubt, which is no less serious, as Pritchett says. But I want to recommend some books to you. Someone already has. Um, There's a book recommended. Someone mentioned that Gary Habermas has two books right now uh, on Amazon. They're on sale, so check those out. Also, J.P. Moreland has a book that I found really, really helpful. I can't remember what it's called, though, but it's the only book he's written on doubt, I think. But, and some people would not like me referencing this person to reference this book, but I find that, um,
0: uh, Greg what's it Boyd. Called?
2: Doubt beyond belief, not beyond belief, belief, burden, burden of the doubt. I don't know. I mean, benefit, I mean of the doubt. benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt by Greg Boyd. Great book. It'll help you out a lot.
1: You know, I even, Nietzsche says some helpful things. Just because you don't like everything Greg Boyd believes doesn't mean you shouldn't read his work.
2: His it work. means I might shouldn't recommend him to new Christians. But uh, for those that are out there and um, and, and are doubting uh, if you if that's if that's what you're talking about, just think about the stuff that you that you have the most confidence in. For me, um, I'm aware that no skeptic has ever done anything to hinder the power of the Kalam Cosmological Argument for God's existence. And then I think about my own experience with Jesus and I think about the resurrection case and that helps me out pretty good. I just have to recognize rhetoric and uh, mockery where it is and what what it is. Okay, so let's go back to uh, this person. I marked them with a star, Uh, Calvin, who said... This is back on boring in heaven, all right? I am saying that if God removes my ability to become bored, the thing left over is different than me, as I recognize myself today. So I would not be there in that sense. You know, I've heard people say that about things. It absolutely does not work with me. For example, we're talking about if one thing about you was rendered inactive or overcome, right? For example, that doesn't mean that's not you anymore. If I cut off your left arm, would it still be you? If you were somehow given a third arm, would that still be you? Well, yes, you'd still be the conscious experiencer and all things being equal. You'd pretty well be the same person. You just would have one more thing. Um, In this case, or when I take your tonsils away, are you less of a person? If I take out your appendix, are you less of a person or less the same person? No, you're still the same person. Same thing if being in the presence of God renders your boredom absurd. Well, that that would you'd still be the same person. And what you said, that that response is only a response to one of three or four options I gave you. So um, hopefully that helps a little bit. But thank you for your kindness in interacting. All right, anybody else? Uh, let's I can't
1: see. find. Uh, there's one on anxiety from J.P. Moreland, but I can't find. I know he wrote Kingdom Triangle, but that, that that's probably not what you're referencing. I can't.
2: Yeah, and 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 Kelvi makes a good point. Your patterns are like our patterns here on Earth are corrupted. They will be uncorrupted in eternity. So maybe boredom is a part of that corruption. I don't know.
1: I have. Um, I've never.
2: I don't know. Miss Mutola wants to know what you doubt, Pritchett. When do you, when you do have doubts? What do you doubt?
1: It's really. It's. When I have doubts, I think it leans more on like the emotional uh, thing. It it's it's really so cliche. It's really when when I try to put my purposes ahead of what maybe God's purposes is or are for my life, and I wonder when things are going a certain direction in my life, why it's not going in another direction, and you know, it seems that if I follow—not that I'm having struggles or whatever—but like, um, not like. A, it's just more of a thing where where it's it's just an emotional. Where are you in the midst of this kind of thing? It's kind of like almost as like the the Salter's kind of doubt, you know. Because if you have certain expectations and beliefs about God and then certain things happen in your life and you wonder, i it's the limited vision problem. I don't see why I'm going through this. I can go read First Peter and I can go read Romans and understand that these are all character building things. I know all of that and I know that all the atheist arguments against Christianity and I know all the apologetic responses really is the where are you at God and why aren't you doing, why aren't you meeting my expectations? And that's where I lean into the hope. So, but but sometimes you can experience something where you have to stop and gather yourself and say, "Wait a minute, if this is true, then why not x, y, or z?" And so, you know, that's says more about me than it says about Chris, and that's kind of the point about a lot of this stuff in in, in our doubts is it says more about what we're not thinking through more than any sort of intellectual problem that could be raised against Christianity. So it's okay. really, it's a deficiency in my, in my character more than it is anything that God's absent or, or something.
2: Okay. Calvin says, I suppose it comes down to what you or I mean when we refer to ourselves, and we likely differ about that. I don't see how. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be obtuse, Calvin, but if the alternative is naturalism, which I, maybe it's not, maybe you're thinking of something else as an alternative but if it's like our christian perspective versus naturalism then uh you must you must not think that it's like uh what punch bowl haircut said a minute ago like you're talking about if boredom is removed am I, i'm a different person now he said well what if i am depressed and i get on a depression medication like an ssri or something and i no longer have depression anymore am i not the same person am i not the same conscious experiencer as a naturalist this would certainly be the case because everything in your body, except for perhaps certain neurons, go through a process of change and cycle out. Your cells cycle out and and um, are replaced. You don't even have the same physical body for the most part that you once did. This is why philosophies of mind, uh, philosophy of mind, people try to figure out what is you. What are we calling you? It's not your physical body. It can't be. So. Is it your memories? Well, that doesn't seem to work either because what about things you don't... Did what happened before you were three years old and started having memories you recall now? Were you not a person? What happens when you're asleep You know, and not conscious? You know, This seems difficult. So um, it, it, I would suspect that you would have to say, though things about me go away and new things come on, I'm still the same person because I'm the same conscious experiencer. And that will certainly be the case in heaven, even if it were the case that... Let's call it your boredom antenna were removed or overwhelmed or whatever.
1: I hope that in heaven God reminds me of what it's like I, I don't think I've been bored in twenty five years. and so maybe heaven for me will be rem, uh, re, you know I hope to be reminded for God can any. When When time is everlasting, he can pick an arbor I, I forgot what it's like to be bored. maybe there's joy in boredom. I don't know because I haven't been I don't think I've been bored in twenty five years or more i don't that's one of the things like when my kids come up to me and say, "I'm bored I'm like, how in the world are you bored? How in the world can anyone alive today it, it makes and I, I understand people get bored because I used to get bored when I was a kid, but I haven't been bored in twenty five years and I don't think my kids have any excuse to be bored.
2: The point is you might in twenty five thousand years.
1: Um, I hope that God gives me a, a reminder of boredom. For 25,000 years of my heavenly experience, I'll take 25,000 years of boredom. Um, because I want for the experience to remember what it was like when I was a kid and literally bored because I haven't been that way. And if you're looking for things to do, Um, I can always give people things to do so that you will never be bored.
2: California Kev says, I have too many friends who say he never believed in the first place or there must be some secrets in. How do you respond to Christian friends who say such things? I guess you're talking about with Kevin Max. I I don't
1: think, I don't, I don't know.
2: (sighs) I don't know whether someone believed in the first place and now they don't believe or whether they, never believed. I know they need Jesus right now. I know that, that's what we can Yeah, and I know yeah, that
1: on my theology is not a, the either they were never saved to begin with or they lost it. Mine's a, it could be either one of those. My theology allows for both of those possibilities. And if I don't know the person well enough, I can't state for sure which, but the Bible gives us, they were never of us, depart from me, never knew you. And Bible gives us fall from grace, cut off, all that. So it's a both and for me. So it could be either way. But because I don't hold to a uh, once saved, always saved theology, I'm happy to say, I'm happy to grant somebody that they were very likely what we would all consider Christian. I can grant that because it doesn't hurt my theology any to grant it. And um, it doesn't, I won't cause a needless thing to say, oh, you were never saved in the first place, because that's just you know, trivializing what they, you know, they believed as much as anybody. But I've known people um, where I could say that, yeah, they were never really a Christian in the first place. And I've known people that, yeah, they were, they've fallen from grace.
2: And Calvin, don't worry, because if you become a Christian and you go to heaven, um, Justin says he'll be there to annoy you. You might not get bored, but you might get angry.
1: No, but I'll be there. And because I'll be there, you will never get bored if you just hang out with me for all eternity. Because you will, you will. because I, I don't know, I've cracked that code. Because I remember as a kid being bored, but I haven't been bored in about 25. I can't remember the last time I was bored. I've cracked that. Something about whatever I do in a day has cracked that code.
2: QWERTY says a good thing here. There's a good boredom and a bad boredom. Lack of industriousness is boring, but also bad. Satisfaction is good. I like what you're doing with that. I don't yeah. know if I am bored when I'm satisfied. I guess I can be. No. You don't like it?
1: Uh, I don't think that I'm bored see, there's sitting there doing nothing. And then there's sitting there doing nothing. Like someone else said, I think it was punchbowl. Someone said, um, boredom is an emotion is in having feelings of boredom. Like you're bored. I'm not bored doing nothing. I'm not bored being satisfied that I just finished a workout and I don't want to look at my phone. I don't want to talk to anybody, I just want to sit there and ache, uh, you know, my muscles, and so it's like. But that's not boredom. I, I just sitting there doing nothing to me. That well, that's recovery. That's that's a good thing. So I, I don't I don't understand this boredom stuff. All
0: right.
2: Well, it looks like we're done for the day. This has been a lot of fun, and on the way out. Yeah. Uh, does Trinity Radio? Thanks, guys. It does, as Jonathan said. Trivialize what they are going through. Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Um, a possible, not actual infinite.
2: Carmel Crunk says we're going to have plenty to do. Yeah, it'll be a potential, but not actual infinite. Always approaching, but never arriving yep. at infinity. And since you guys seem to enjoy it so much, maybe we should go out with uh punch bowl haircuts. Uh, with Punch Bowl haircuts cut. Yeah. We'll
0: see you guys next time on Trinity one of these will be eternal life and a home in heaven. Sss, and when we go, sss, and when we go, sss, and when we go, and and if God exists, objective oracle values. If God does not exist,
1: so you know, I was, I was talking to Braxton and uh, evangelicals, and particularly white evangelicals. Uh, get a bad rap on the internet uh, in the past few years. But when I think of white evangelicals, the three people who pop into my mind are Braxton Hunter, Mike Winger, and the son of the CU at the pole guy, Leighton Flowers himself. They are quintessential white evangelicals. And man, they're the, some of the whitest white people I know. Uh, but they're not evildoers. And all of these little old ladies who are preparing food at the potlucks at all of these churches all across America, they're not evildoers either.
2: And thanks so much so, for that super chat, Punch Bowl.
0: Thanks,
1: Do Talk about some of the good stuff, too, and balance out the criticism.
0: This is not to make some sort of naive claim that contemporary cosmology proves the existence of troops of Lady Gagas. Plato wrote the following, Socrates is a freak of nature, and Abraham Lincoln is the Terminator, orbiting a gigantic red Eskimo village. As the Russian writer Fyodor Dostoyevsky put it, you scratch my back, I'll scratch Richard Dawkins. Premise one. Everything that begins to exist has a beard. Two, the universe has a beard. Therefore, a beard has a beard. Richard Dawkins foresaw Godzilla exploit a barnyard of pigs. So what? He vigorously condemned such actions as religious indoctrination of the dinosaurs. On the atheistic view, who's to say whose values are right and who's a root beer? Root beer, 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 root beer. All together now. E. Yeah. Go! 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 boo Eat, yeah. Eat yeah. Whatever. Eat Gatsons! Yeah. Album Plantinga. Okay. Eat yeah. Great white sharks. Eat Gatsons! Yeah. Forget about it. Radical This is buffoonery
2: Thank you, Miss Mutola. I really appreciate that.